0: Hello, hello hello and welcome back to another episode of shamelessly unapologetic with me your host alana pinsky so we are back with another guest episode and this week's guest is holly persifeld who you may know on social media as the unapologetic mama either on instagram or tiktok and basically her whole brand is about unapologetically living your best divorced life. So in this episode, we talked all about Holly's divorce journey. So some of those things included why she ended up getting a divorce, how she dealt with a lot of drama. We talked a lot about living your best unapologetic life and owning your divorce journey status and how there's no shame in being divorced and even going back to dating and finding love again post-divorce this was such a fun conversation to have with holly especially because there were a couple things that we could actually relate to and even though i have never been married or experienced divorced myself There was just a lot of like values and opinions that we both had just regarding dating that I really liked and it was just a really fun conversation overall. If you are currently experiencing divorce or you're going through that right now, you're starting the process, I think you're going to really like this episode. I think it will help you feel not so alone in life and that this episode will empower you to get back on your feet again and just Own your divorce status so you can unapologetically live your badass divorce life because you're about to experience the next chapter in your life. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Hello Holly! welcome to shamelessly unapologetic. How are you doing today? I am doing so good. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you on. I have been watching some of your TikToks, and they are so hilarious. And it's funny because even though I'm not a divorced woman, it's weird. Cause like, I can't relate to that situation, but I just love how just unapologetic you are and how You ended up thriving from your situation and I'm so excited to learn more about your story and just how you've been able to like navigate this because I know this can be so hard for many people.
1: Oh, for sure. It's not something you ever think you're going to get into, but at the same time, that's kind of my big thing about like being unapologetic is that I want more people to understand that it is totally normal. It's the same as a breakup, just a little different. Um, And it happens to so many people. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you're a bad person or that, you know, you can't continue to have a beautiful, wonderful life. So yeah, I've, I am honestly a little shocked too at how many people resonate with my story. I never in a million years anticipated that TikTok was just like something super fun for me. I love it. It is like a creative outlet. Same thing with Instagram, and it yeah. just kind of like took on a life of its own. I love it. Well, Holly, why don't you start off by um,
0: quickly just telling everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So my name's Holly. I am 32 years old. I am um, known on IG and TikTok as like the unapologetic mama. My big thing. Is talking about how you can unapologetically be yourself and it is okay no matter how that plays out. Most recently, the side of myself I've had to learn to accept and love and thrive with is being a divorced woman. So I am a divorced single mom. I have one son who I love dearly. He's awesome. So I'm also like a very young mom. I'm 32 and I have almost a seven year old. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of falls into this whole like hot mom thing. And how do I? Integrate my sexy thirty-year-old side with being a mom and also being a divorcee and kind of dating and everything that kind of goes into that.
0: I love that, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because there's such a huge stigma around divorced women, especially single moms. I'm also I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm thirty, so. I'm childless at the moment, but what I will say is, you know, oh. a lot of men, let's say they they like to judge women for being single or divorced and being that single mom. I am kind of curious to know how you've been able to navigate that. And I'm sure you can probably debunk that because I know you have a partner, but I we will, I want to talk about that later because yeah. I'm excited to hear more about that. But before we get yeah. into that, I'd love to just kind of hear
1: what that's been like for you so far. Um, yeah. And I think I have a very, well, I've been told um, my therapist and, one of, and my somatic coach, I have an interesting approach to dating because when I got divorced, it was never, I was like going to be just me single done. I had my kid. It was going to be great. Like I would just date around and I didn't need anybody, but you know, it's a bit of a trauma response coming out. It's okay. We work on those things. But that being said, when I decided I was going to just kind of like move forward with my life and see what was out there, I decided that I wanted to experience all of it. I wanted, I wanted to experience everything. I had been with my ex-husband since I was in high school. I never had dated anyone else. I was genuinely excited to finally get to partake in like the bad first date stories and like all the little things that i felt like i had never really got to experience and then it was hilarious because yeah i met someone and i didn't even do all of those things but when i decided i was ready to like say okay i want to just like start dating i want to see how this flows the main thing i focused on was i i didn't care one bit if they actually liked me or not i just i didn't care if you didn't like me that's cool i like me I love me and I don't need to change for you, which really flips the script when you start dating, when you're like, what do you bring to my life? Because I am amazing and I love my life. So you better make it better or I don't need to waste my time with you. My time is precious and valuable.
0: Hell yeah. I fucking love that. That kind of like leads me into the next thing. And this is something that I actually ask every single guest that comes on my show. But what would you say is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? Ooh, okay.
1: So I guess like my biggest thing about being unapologetic is like being unapologetically like integrated. All the sides of you are allowed to coexist. So that's like my big thing. You can be sexy and a mom. You can be single and in love. You can be a divorcee and a hopeless romantic. You don't have to fit in a box. You get to create and color outside of all the lines, no matter what that looks like. Um, And so that's really where all of my women empowerment comes from. And the divorce just leads into that really nicely. And that's why I think it's kind of thrived. um, And I'm able to really speak to it a lot because it is something that you are supposed to be ashamed about in our society. It is something that is supposed to like destroy you. And when people see someone who's like, absolutely not, this is a lie is a lie. It's such Um, a lie. Yeah. It's super empowering to them because then they can finally like take control of their whole life. They're not trapped in, you know, toxic, abusive relationships, even just in like, I tell people all the time, like lukewarm love, like No, that's okay. Like there's no wrong reason in my mind to get divorced. So I guess that would be the other big thing is that like, you know, again if you're gonna unapologetically love yourself and love all the sides of you that means you have to do it across the board and be fully integrated.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I also really liked how you said you don't need to put yourself in a box. I like the analogy of just I'm coloring out of the lines. I think that's so important because like unapologeticness definitely I feel like there's like a whole spectrum of it. There's like no one way to define like being unapologetic because it means something different to everyone. And that's exactly like why I asked that question to every single guest, because everyone has some sort of different answer. One common thing that I hear is like, people say like, I'm unapologetically myself, but everyone has like a different reason when they say like, just being myself, they're able to define that for me instead of like just being vague about that.
1: So it's definitely like a cool other creative approach to answering that question. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And it it just applies to so many areas in someone's life that it, it was a term that just fit for me. Like when I was creating my platform and kind of what I wanted to like how to explain my life. And very early on when I started writing, I actually was married. It was all about like my unapologetic journey. Like that was what I was on. I was on an unapologetic journey to figure out how to just love myself. Unapologetically. Yeah. Um, And it kind of then started boiling down to like, you have a lot of sides to who you are. Like you're not <laughs> just one thing.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly why I made this podcast because my approach to life. My brand is like my best bold, unapologetic life. And so, yeah. And so I kind of built my brand maybe when I was like 25 years old. And then I didn't start my podcast until I was 29. So I've had this podcast for about a year and a half now. And for me, it was kind of like the same thing. I knew that I didn't want to live my life a certain way anymore. And I had to figure out how to like build my confidence. And I used to live in San Francisco for four years and boy, oh boy, did that city just really help me just branch out and get out of my comfort zone in so many ways and it really just sparked my confidence it really helped me to just like not give a fuck about what other people think of me because when people don't like me for certain things it's usually petty stuff and i'm like oh my god i can't be bothered by this anymore i'm just so done and over it and so i do have a youtube channel but my youtube channel is like completely different than what i talk about on my podcast and so because i'm so bold Um, I definitely knew that, okay, my podcast would be the perfect place to just like talk anything that I need to talk about, get it off my mind. I may sound like a bitch, but I promise I'm not a bitch. I, I like to say I'm a bitch with good intentions. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm not trying to say anything with malicious intent. Like I say this because I speak my truth. And I think I like to say that I'm a voice for people who are too afraid to say what I'm always thinking. And so when I say it for those people, it makes them feel less alone.
1: Oh, for sure, definitely. I think that's a lot of people resonate with a lot of my posts because when you start to love yourself, the more you love yourself, the less you care what other people think of you. And so it's just very easy to kind of step into, you know, who you are as a person and what makes you feel good and thrive. And so when people see other people, you know, thriving, it is inspiring and it is contagious because it's like, oh, well, if she can do that and she's again, like just the regular, you know, regular single mom living life out here. Well, then I can totally do it too. I totally agree. I would also say that people consider women bitchy. People don't consider men yep. bitchy. Yep. So yep. it's very much, on my like, go ahead, call me a bitch. I don't care. Like, yeah, love <laughs> I love it.
0: I mean, I would always get called like bitchy or I would have like this rude tone to me at work which was sadly like one of the reasons I got fired from one of my jobs was because people misinterpreted my language over a fucking slack message and it wasn't even like a verbal conversation through like a meeting like this like through zoom it was over a fucking messaging app and i'm like you cannot be serious and also like why couldn't you come talk to me if you felt like i was being rude to you i hate it when people have problems with me i want people to like address me head on and i know confrontation can make people uncomfortable but i sort of see that as a problem
1: yeah and i think i think it's very true it's hard in our society to balance like online social platforms versus professional and just like all the different things that come with it. But I do notice there's just like so much change happening in the world. So like, I'm excited to see what everything looks like, you know, moving forward. I agree. Absolutely. So
0: let's kind of get into like the next segment of our episode here. So we've already established how your whole brand is about loving yourself, especially post-divorce. And I, again, absolutely love that because I think there needs to be more creators out there with that kind of platform. And I haven't really seen that from Divorce women. So I think that makes you so unique and special. So um, I would love to hear whatever you're comfortable sharing regarding
1: your story of divorce. Yeah. So it's a very long and convoluted story. I also tell people, I'm like, you have to kind of go back for a long ways because I don't think I was even realizing how much I was already like prepping when I first started writing, but a kind of a shortened condensed version. So I was uh, married to my high school sweetheart. I went to college. I was the primary income You know, we moved across country, but I I had always kind of been with him. I had never been with anyone else. I had never, I had dated, you know, one other guy seriously. And that was like about it. It was a very on again, off again relationship. There were a lot of red flags back when we were younger. There were like speculations of cheating. There was cheating that occurred right when I got engaged. Oh no. Um, But you know, like all of these things were, you know, they paint this picture when you've been with someone that like, and you're going to marry them, right? Like you're at the point where you feel like you're going to marry them that like, you have to tough it out, right? Like, you love them through everything. And that is a very dangerous, dangerous mindset that we put women into. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I had plenty of red flags, we were always a couple that bickered, but it was supposed to be this like endearing thing. Like, yeah, well, we fight, but we fight in front of everybody. And then, you know, as things progressed, everything just started to like, kind of unravel, slow and steady. Um, I definitely had a lot of emotional turmoil that went on. I had different kinds of verbal accosting and abuse that happened, Um, That was kind of like the last straw for me. And that's when I left. I had already had my son by that point and things just got really, really, really bad and really nasty. I mean, the fighting was incessant. Yeah, Um, There was no common ground. We really were genuinely different people. We don't have the same core beliefs even. And so it just made for like a very, very toxic environment. And it got to the point where I realized that like, you know, because the mentality is that you stay for the children. That's what is preached in America is that, you know, no, 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 no. You tough it out for the kids and you can leave once they're in, you know, once they're adults, then you can decide if you're going to keep going, which I don't understand that mentality. I don't understand uh, it either. At all. I'm a child of divorce too. So like, I feel like I have a very unique perception on everything um, because my parents got divorced and my sisters, I have a stepmom, um, who has, you know, we have three step-siblings and then I have a stepdad who has children as well, but they are far older. So, you know, I come from a very unique home environment life and I never felt like my home or my family wasn't family. Like I never felt like I didn't have a family, which is what they preach to you when you're starting to think about divorce. Well, you're breaking up your family. You're not going to have a family, but it just got so bad that I realized my son, that's how he was learning to treat women. That's what he would grow up one day to think the epitome of love was, is what he saw at home with me. I tell people all the time, like, I definitely did not love myself enough to leave. I was prepared to like, you know, stick that out, even if it killed me. And it was, it was slowly killing me. I mean, my family could tell that like who I was as a person and things that I enjoyed and all of that. It was just like the life was being sucked out of me. Like, because I was doing so much, I was putting in so much effort. Um, I was in a very bad relationship. It was very toxic. So I realized, okay, he's going to emulate this one day and he deserves better than this. He does not deserve to go into a relationship that looks like this, nor do I ever want him to be the person treating who he loves like this. Yeah. Um, And so that was kind of the big realization for me. So I decided that I needed to leave for him. I didn't even leave for myself. I decided that he was more important and he deserved to see a happy, healthy home, even if that was only part of the time, which Mm -hmm. is something I know a lot of women struggle with is like, yeah, but I won't see them all the time. It's like, right. But the time that you will have with them, they are finally learning what normal looks like, what healthy looks like, what safe is. Um, You know, he's not going to have a home that's riddled with fighting all the time. That was one of like my big moments for me. I also you know, I did do couples therapy because again, when I started going through this whole process, I very much was in the mindset that like, I need to say that I have done everything that I can do because I needed to be in the right. Like I still very much felt like there was a right way to get divorced and a wrong way to get divorced. But I made it very clear that if I start therapy and I start to accept some of the things that have happened to me, there's really no turning back at that point. I don't think repair things because I had, I had buried and hidden so much of that relationship and so much of what was done to me in order to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really did. It just kind of like breaks you open and you accept some really hard truths about how life was, um, about the things that you went through. And there's this thought process that you allowed to have happen, which I've moved out of that mindset. I didn't allow anything to have happened to me. I was put in that position by the actions of someone else. I did not do them to myself. But there's all of those mindsets that you kind of have to work through in order to get to the point where you are divorced. And my divorce was very tested. I went through a really nasty custody battle. It took about fifteen months from start to finish. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, I still was getting terrible text messages. I still was getting like all kinds of like verbal accostings. I, you know, it got to the point where I almost got a restraining order, things like that. It was really, really I considered it. I never did, but I considered it. It was really, really, really bad so when I finally was done like when everything like the legal things were done um it was just like a huge like weight was lifted I could finally breathe again I knew that I could just like do whatever I wanted finally like I I could do all the things I could live my life I could come home and just like be home and happy and it was in a amazing moment. It was a very quiet, calm moment the day that everything was signed because everything's done online now. Yeah. So it's not like you actually go to the courthouse and the judge signs off on it. It's like all done online. So it was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm like legally, legally done. That's kind of like my background and my story as far as like where I came from and then where I am now.
0: I love that. I actually had two follow-up questions regarding to that. And then it'll sort of lead me into the next segment. So you mentioned earlier that you and your ex-husband, you met when you were in high school and you were together then, and you mentioned that you guys had different values and beliefs. Did you feel, did you guys like think that you guys got married because of a societal pressure or was it something else that made you get into that relationship before?
1: I definitely think there was definitely some societal pressures. I grew up and I now live in, you know, a smaller um, town in Indiana. People, you know, have been together their whole lives and it's what you do. Like, it's what you do at a certain point. That's what you do when you've been together for so long. And I think for me, looking back, I realized how bad I really just wanted a, like, I just wanted to make that family. That was like at the forefront of my mind and I'm the kind of person that I'm like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. So a lot of it was like, you can get through this. It's not that bad. That was the thing that I think really trapped me as it was this mentality of, it's not that bad. It's not that mm. bad. Someone has it way worse than you, which they did. I, I'm not discounting that there are women that have had far worse experiences, um, you know, that have been physically abused and things like that. Like, I'm not discounting that, but that mentality that it could be worse and that this isn't that bad really does trap you. Because then once you've gone so long, believing that you just really get stuck and you're like, okay, well, this is the next step. Like either we're not together or this. And I still remember being younger and like, I couldn't really fathom a life without him. And I don't know exactly where that all stems from. I think part of it is society. Um, but that was like one of my like aha moments was finally when I started thinking about a future with him, it all looked black. Every, everything like looked black. And one day I started to think about like, okay, but what if I wasn't with him? And I could see colors and light and movement. And it was like someone had opened a door and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, no, I fi- I finally get it. Yeah. So I do think there's a ton of societal pressure on women, especially to like absolutely grow up, get married, have kids, be this wife, be this mom. And I genuinely wanted those things too. Like I, it's funny, there's like a couple of my reels where it's like, you know, when you always just wanted to be a wife, it's like, and I did, I, I always have wanted to share my life with someone. I have always felt like, Um, I'm driven by love. I love, love. I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it was kind of like a perfect storm between, you know, the personality type that I, I was with, um, taking advantage of a lot of things as well as what I felt like I was required to do.
0: Yeah, no. And that makes sense. I can relate to that because I have always wanted to be a parent and be married And here I am 30, still very much single. And it's like, I definitely want kids one day so badly, but at the same time, I really enjoy being child-free. It's so so conflicting because it's like, I want kids, but I love
1: not having kids at the same time. Yes. I think that realization is so important for so many people because for so long, we've been taught as women that the only way you're going to find fulfillment is through children. And like, that's not true. Yes, children are amazing and wonderful um and you can be super fulfilled with that but that is not the only path to happiness. Like that's not the only one. It can be a great one, but it can only be and I tell people I'm like probably people think like oh you're you're probably so against marriage like all you do is talk about divorce yada yada yada. I, I mean I'm against a lot of the societal problems that come along with marriage and women's rights. Yes. And that's really what I want people to be aware of. Yeah not that you can get married. I think getting married is beautiful. Weddings are probably my favorite thing in the whole world. I love weddings. I think, yes. But I want women to understand that there are risks when you're a woman and you get married. It is very different being a man. Like you give up a lot of rights and say. And so I just wish we talked more openly about that to women, because I think if we did, we wouldn't have such a stigma around like prenups or like, hey, I want this to be known now that you get married, divorced 17 times, and who really cares? But once you have a kid, it becomes far more challenging. So it's like who you want to parent with is far more important than just like, I just want to be a parent. So I think that's great that you have that realization of like, yeah, that would be great. But I also love this too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I definitely still look forward to that, but you know, I haven't met my baby daddy yet. Who knows when I'll meet my baby daddy yet. So that time will come, but clearly like if I get pregnant, you know, motherhood will happen for me when it happens. That's all I got to say. (laughs) And then, um, the other follow-up question I had was your sign. I know like part of the reason you said is like, you wanted to get that divorce to kind of help your son, but I'm curious to know how did he end up handling it? Did he understand what was going on at the time? Was he sad? What was happening? Was he mad? Was he happy? Cause I'm curious yeah. to know how it impacts kids. Cause especially at a young age.
1: So, yeah. And I have a couple thoughts on that too. So my son was actually very happy. It was just a very bad environment when we were at the end. Um, so a lot of the the scenarios I'm referencing, you know, freak, they happen frequently at the end. I told him and like the first words out of his mouth were like, Oh my gosh, mom, it's just going to be me and you. There's not going to be any fighting anymore. And so him. He, <laughs> yeah, he had already really recognized like, probably long before I even did how bad everything was and how, you know, he just like, he couldn't do it anymore. So he was really happy. Um, You know, and I told him, you're going to have a house with dad, you're going to have a house with mom, we'll just have two different houses. And he was like, he was genuinely excited. But then things kind of devolved with my ex and that got stripped from him. And it was like, you know, he had the fear that he would not have a family, that he was broken, that if we were really a family, yada, 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 yada. So I worked really hard with him on helping him understand that. And it did help that I come from divorce and um, both of my parents are in his life. And both of his step-grandparents was like, we don't even call them step-grandparents they're just his grandparents. Yeah. Um, So they're all in his life. And so it made it much more normal for him because I could say like, buddy, like this is how mom grew up. Like you're following the exact same schedule. Like this is totally normal. Um, And I think that was the thing that I recognized most as a parent of a young child is that it is normal to them if you make it normal to them. It's once someone starts to make them feel like they're less, that their family is less. That's when some of that trauma starts to kick in because they can really regulate now, arguably he would have done better had he been with me longer in the beginning. He was still very much young and attached. So I think there needs to be a lot of overhaul around like how custody is decided. Um, I do think that partially stems from a lot of stigma of like women feeling like they have to be this better mom in order to like get more custody, which then puts men on the defense. And then, mm-hmm. you, but dads, it creates chaos. Whereas if we really just thought about like, who's the primary caregiver? Who's home with them? Okay, we need to map that out again. Like it needs to stay as consistent as possible. Uh, But unfortunately we don't, you know, it's very much a like I have a right to my kid type thing. So he has done exponentially well though. We went through a really hard time. I got divorced in COVID though. So on top of that, he had a global pandemic he was dealing with and like Mm -hmm. people scared guy and school was different and like all kinds of stuff. But through all of that, he has done really well. He's been in therapy. His therapist has said he's like done exponentially well. He has, you know, transitioned through the divorce easily. We really didn't have too many outbursts. There were some early on more so related to like anger towards me, but I I think a lot of that was what was modeled and what he was unfortunately witnessing day after day after day. So it became, and I think part of it was, you know, it was a very, he didn't, it was very much of a change for him and he didn't know how to process and I am his safe person. So I'm the person that got a lot of that. And so we had to work through a lot of those issues. Um, But he was also young. We got divorced when he was, you know, we started the process when he was four. So he was Mm -hmm. very, You know, he can't express all the same feelings that an older child can. But now that he's like six going on seven, I mean, he's great. He is doing fabulous. He excels at school. He is actually like one of the top academic kids. And he was the like role model leader for behavior. His teacher was like, I am so, he is just so good. And you always hear like, oh, kids I love that. I like to remind moms about that because it it is such a scare of like, no, your kid's going to be a disaster. Like, no, if you make it normal, it feels normal. And as soon as it feels normal, they're good. It's the fact that society, you just are constantly battling society at that point.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really great that he was really kind of aware of the situation and that he's been able to thrive just as fine with everything that's been going on so I just feel like that's kind of like a good blessing that he was able to transition into that really well because I feel like some kids you know they they process it so much differently so I'm glad to hear that it wasn't as hard on him which makes me really happy to hear
1: yeah no definitely i think it's always harder on kids maybe that didn't know anything was wrong because like that definitely happened to me i didn't know anything was wrong and it was definitely like kind of out of left field type thing but i also think explaining to kids in a developmentally appropriate way what's happening is key like they know something's changing and they just need to understand and again it's a life It it is a life lesson sometimes it's not yeah. one that you really want to teach at that age but anyone's child could grow up and get divorced one day And you don't want them to feel bad when they have to make that decision. So the more formalize it now of like, this is just life. Sometimes this happens and there are lots of people that live their life this way. And you are completely normal. And if you do this one day, it's still normal. The less we will have of all of these, you know, kind of problematic transitions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you sort of talked about this already but one of the things I was curious to know is would you say that like, processing divorce for you personally was hard or did you find it to be more of a breeze or maybe a little bit of both?
1: No, it was definitely excruciating. I processed my divorce before I said I was going to file because of like my personality type, because of what I'm a goal driven person. And I had decided that in my life I was not going to get divorced I Found myself in this toxic, unhealthy terrible relationship that I just realized like that was no longer an option. But in order to get to that point, I had to process so much along the way. And it was heartbreaking. It was gut wrenching. And then just what was going on in my relationship was also like, tearing me apart. Like I would spend nights crying over like, how could I be better? What could I have done different? How can I not get in a fight today? Like, can we just make it one day? And if we can make it one day, then we can make it forever. And I, I've kind of explained it to my now um, partner, you know, I used to always think there was just like one type of love, like the type of love you would die for. And I did, I died for it. But now I know there is like a much better love. And that's the love you'll live for. That's the love that you will Continue to push yourself and it makes you want to grow, and you just want to like wake up every day and keep doing what you're doing. Like, and that's the love I have now. It's very different, but this like much more toxic, unhealthy love sucks you in. And in order to get out of that, when you're in kind of like a trauma reaction and you're in like some kind of like abuse cycle, it is excruciating to try to get out of because you constantly don't even feel like you know what up from down is. I mean, I tell everybody I was living on like a crazy planet. Like I didn't know if my reality really was my reality. Was it me? Is it right? Should I be doing something different? Like da, 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 da. So in order to get to the point where I finally said I'm done, I had to like, split myself open and and you really do have to detach at that point i like i couldn't feel anything because if i felt anything it would make me start the cycle over again like i i had to just not feel anything like i wasn't going to feel sad i wasn't going to feel angry i wasn't going to feel happy i wasn't going to feel anything because if i couldn't feel anything i could get out but then that leads you to a whole other realm of once you're, once you're safe, your body still reacts in lots of ways that you're like, not safe. Trauma reactions are super fun to learn about and how to process through. So, you know, I had to slowly be like, no, it's okay to feel things again. Because whenever I would feel something, it would be so painful that like, I, I couldn't stand it anymore. And I had to stop feeling. And now it's like, no, like, you can feel sadness and, and it's not that level. Like, and, and you'll feel happy too. Like you don't have to be completely numb. Numbing and dissociation were like my two main things that I coped with and they are, they're there to protect you. So yeah, you use them for a reason, but then you have to realize that you don't need them anymore and that you can put them up on the shelf and it's okay that it happened and it's okay that you needed them then, but you don't need them now and you can leave them where they were. Um, so no, processing my divorce was definitely one of the hardest things I ever had to do. I never wanted to do it, but now that I did it, I am so glad because the life on this, I say like the life on the other side of the rainbow, is just something I started telling women who are like talking to me or like in my DMs it is so much brighter than I could have even ever imagined. And it wasn't even something I would let myself picture. I say that a lot to people too. Like, I understand you have stopped even dreaming that this life exists. Like you can't even let yourself think that this life exists, but it does. And yeah. you can do this, like you can do. And that's kind of what I told myself. I had a friend who was going through divorce of a very similar personality type with a similar relationship type. And they had been together for a long time, had kids, the whole shebang. We were each other's support at that point um, because we were in COVID. So we were kind of like cut off. And, you know, we would just tell each other, like, we do 15 hard things before breakfast. Like, we are essentially single moms as it is. We are raising these kids. We're working moms. We're excelling at our career. Like, we do 15 hard things before breakfast. We can do one more hard thing. Like, we can do one more hard thing. So when people, they see that I'm so okay with divorce and I, I embrace it and I love it and it's one of the best things that ever happened to me, I do think a lot of people tend to think that then it was like, oh, it was just, it was easy like it was easy for her to do all this. Like, no, it was the hardest thing I ever did. But you can do one more hard thing because like this hard thing is the start of your calm life of the life you wanted to lead.
0: I mean, I like that you also had other girlfriends to talk about and process with and also just like your own community that you built when it came to divorce because I feel like Some women or even other people, maybe who aren't women or men, they feel like they don't have someone to turn to because they feel like there isn't anyone in their life that they can relate to where everyone seems like they're happily married and that they feel so alone and they're like, well, who do I go in and talk to? Because sometimes just therapy isn't enough.
1: I mean, I remember when it first started to hit me that I was seriously going to get divorced because it was something that had been at play in my relationship for a long time. I have previously spoke about how like when I found out I was pregnant, I kind of like had this moment with myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, you're, you're going to get divorced and you're going to bring this kid into it. I mean, like part of me always knew that it was just such a big risk um, and it was always a constant threat that was you know, thrown out at me about like just leaving or we'll just get divorced. But. I remember starting to like look on like Pinterest, like, okay, signs that you should get divorced, or like look on <laughs> Instagram for like, what is an unhealthy relationship? What is verbal abuse? What is psychological abuse? What is da-da-da-da? And like you can't find anything. Nothing. So it was part of it for me was really cathartic. Like I am a journalist. I journal all the time. Um And so it was very natural to me to just be like, this is what I'm going through and I'm going to share it. And whoever finds it, finds it. And if they resonate with it, great. But it is helping me. And I was blown away by how many people told me just what you told me. Like, nobody is out here talking about divorce. I'm like, but it's so common, though. Yeah. it's so, and for me, it's very natural because my parents were divorced and I had a great life. Like I loved my childhood. I love my sisters. Sure, there were things I would change about it, but it's not anything that wouldn't people wouldn't change anyway if they had a family together. So it was interesting to me when I heard that people were like, no one talks about this. No one does this. You got to be very careful when you're doing it because there's probably a lot of like lawsuits that can happen around it. And that's what really sucks is that People aren't allowed to share their story because someone didn't treat them appropriately. And that's not okay. And so I kind of said, like, which is why if you look at any of my stuff, whether that's on TikTok or Instagram, it is very much from a woman's perspective. And it is just saying what I went through because it is my story and it is mine to tell. Because I do feel like we need more people that can build each other up and resonate with each other and understand that like, it's okay. And the amount of women and my feed is primarily women. I do have some men, but the amount of women that are in my DMS, you know, like saying, I just really needed to see this today. You've, you've really like inspired me to do this is really what keeps me going. Yeah. Um, Because obviously I'm in a very different place now, two years later, my life looks totally different. And sometimes it's almost hard for me to really like, remember, I think part of that's like my trauma reactions, but I try to put myself back into those days and then, okay, this is where I was. This is what happened. I do think it's a super important community to have because I think people are trying to find it. People want this. I love that.
0: And that is so important. So I wanted to shift into like a different topic. So based off your content, your videos, I guess you kind of did a little bit of a hard launch with you finding love again. So tell us how that's been for you and how you two met. Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. It was very interesting because I, like I said, my friend, she's actually, we call each other our outlaws because she was married to the cousin of my ex. And so we were in-laws by marriage, but now we were always like not fitting in. So we always called each other outlaws, but now it's just sure. feels like, we're not in-laws anymore. We're outlaws. So anyway, she had told me about this guy that was at the gym and she's like he's so hot like he's right up your alley like da 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 I'm like whatever no and this was back when I was first starting to be like I'm leaving um because I told my ex that I was done and be- and we basically went into lockdown and so you can't get a hold of the courts you can't get a hold of the you can't do anything. Nobody's working. My initial like pre-filing looks very different than probably like the traditional method because nothing was open or available. So she told me about this guy and you know, she had shown me him on Facebook and I was like, Oh my God, stop. Like he's so hot. He's not going to talk to me, whatever. Because then I, even though I was confident in myself, I wasn't confident in like another relationship or like another person thinking that. And I definitely was just not, I was like, I am not in the mindset. Like, right. No, I don't want to be with anyone. I just want to be by myself. I just want calm and happy. And I just like, I love me. Da, da, da. I slowly started though, to get to the point where I was like, I wanted to experience everything in life. I wanted like intimacy. I wanted like dating. I wanted all of that. Um, because I realized I couldn't, I didn't want to just stop my life forever that I had already kind of stopped my life. And I had put everything on hold for so long. And with COVID happening, it really like, showed you just how quick everything can change and be gone. Um, And so I think that was probably a spark of why I shifted back in probably faster, because I'm not sure if I didn't have COVID if I would have maybe gone. I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have felt as comfortable jumping into dating, but it was very much this mindset that like, Life could be totally different tomorrow. We have no idea what is going to happen. Like, if you want to do something, you need to do it today. Like, yeah, today is all you got. So it was like Cinco de Mayo. And I was like drinking tequila in my tub because my bathroom was like my only safe space in my house because I quarantined <laughs> with my ex. Oh, so gosh. Yeah. in my house with my ex and I had a four-year-old, so I had my son. And so my bathroom was like the only place I could be alone. And I just like randomly... I my friends joked because they were like, "We're not going to let you online date alone. Like, you're not prepared for this. You, you don't know what you're getting into. Like, we need to control your online dating." And I was like, "Okay, fair, but like, I just want to have the input of like, yay or nay." But so I like went rogue, and a friend requested him on Facebook oh my because gosh. that's the only place I knew where he was because that's what I had been seeing. But I didn't do my due diligence to check that he had a public profile. Oh Who my has gosh. A no one has public Facebooks. No one. So I was like, oh shit. I could have seen everything I needed. You could to have see. just stopped him. Yes, I could have just stopped him. So I'm sitting there in my bathtub already like, oh, what did you just do? And like, not three minutes later, I get, ping, hello there. I was like, I almost dropped my phone in the tub. I was oh, like, I don't no. know what's happening right now. So I text my friend's name is Liz. Um, and I'm like, uh, Liz, he he didn't just accept my Facebook request. He DM'd me. She's like, oh, he pays attention to all that. He knows he pays attention to when anyone asks for a friend request. I'm like, you did not inform me of this. So then I was. He was like, oh, so do we have like a mutual friend or was this just like a random like, you know, you might like this person on Facebook? And I was like, no. You know, my cousin Liz, like you go to the gym with her, yada, yada, yada. And so that was like our first night talking, and we literally talked about everything. Wow. We started talking at like probably eight o'clock at night, and we didn't get done talking until like two o'clock in the morning. Wow. Um, we also were that talking also included like sexting. We like did the whole shebang, like in one night. And so then from there, we decided to like meet up. I was very upfront and honest with him. I was like, I just want something casual. I'm not in the mindset to be a good partner or a girlfriend or anything because I'm not going to give two shits about what you want. And I'm not going to feel sorry about it. Like, I just don't care. And he was very open to that. So we had kind of started with the mentality that's very casual. If, if we can get together, we get together. We can still date other people. So we, we met up we had our night. It was just like pure sex. That's it. That's all we did. We, I don't even know that we talked and we did a little bit in between when we were like in the hot tub. And so we did get to have some good conversations, but they were very short and it was mostly sex. Like that's it. We had still left it, that like, okay, we can date other people. And again, I wasn't really trying to date. Yeah. I was like, well, this will work. Like I can just, it's COVID. So I probably shouldn't be, you know, sleeping with a bunch of people. And I like sex with him. So we can just do that for Yeah, totally. I was like, this feels like the responsible thing to do in a pandemic. I don't know, whatever. Um, You know, it's supposed to be quarantining from everyone. Like you can't even see like parents at this point. And I'm like, well... I feel like I can I can let this slide. So, but I still remember there was a day that he had gone out and we started. We texted every day from that point on. There was not a point that we weren't talking to each other. He's like, "Hey, I have something to tell you." I was like, "Okay, what's up?" Um, And that was always our big thing. I was like, "My number one thing is honesty. Like, I just need you to be honest, brutally honest. Like, I don't want any kind of nothing. Like, if this isn't on fire, totally like obsessed, I just don't even want it." And he was like, "I went on our first date and." I'm not going to date anyone anymore. And this was only like within like the first week that we had started talking. And I was like, ah, uh, you're like, okay. What? we just frankly, started just casual. <laughs> He's like, I know. And it can be casual for you and you can do whatever you need to do. I totally support you in that. He's like, but for me, I want to treat this as if it's no different than any other relationship I would pursue. And that is something I want to pursue with you, but I it's on your timeline, whatever you want. And he never pushed me. He never brought it up again. It was never like, when are we going to be a thing? When are we going to do this? When are we going to? It was very much like, I'm letting you know that this is how I'm currently doing things. And you can do what you need to do. That is so bold and risky. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> yeah, it was. And so... I never ended up really like dating other people because I also had that mindset of like, okay, well, I'm a single mom. I don't have a ton of time. And if I am enjoying spending my time with you, I don't need to then divide my time to just see if I would enjoy it with someone else. I'm like, I'm enjoying it with you. And so things progressed very naturally, very um, organically. It was We had like a natural connection, a natural chemistry, a natural spark, everything. And it was kind of like I explained to people like, we walked into this. We weren't blind to anything. Like, you know, we didn't pretend that we didn't know stuff about each other. We talked about everything. He knew everything from the beginning to the end of my divorce story. He was in right with me a lot of the days where I'm like, I can't talk to anyone right now. Like, I can't do this. And so nothing was a secret. Nothing was hidden. And so it just flowed effortfully, effortlessly. Um, and so we started officially dating in December. So we started talking to May. And we started officially dating in December because uh, that
0: 2021 or 2020
1: of 2020, uh, 2020, we start. Cause this will be our two year anniversary. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we, we did like the whole summertime thing and I just, I completely was, I was like, no, this is like, I, I love this guy. And I didn't want to, I fought it tooth and nail. I told my sisters like in July, I was like, no, I don't, he's just like, whatever. They're like, you're being ridiculous. You love him. I'm like, no, I don't. No, I do not. And you're not allowed to tell me that. And so other people could see it. We were super happy together and just natural together. And so, but in December, that was the night that he told me he loved me. Um, And he was like super scared and he was super adorable and he like couldn't breathe. And I loved it. So that was when we decided that we were officially dating and not seeing other people. And we've been dating ever since. Wow. And how long did you meet him after the divorce was finalized? So my divorce was not finalized when I met him. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I've actually been in a thing. similar situation, but, but go on first. Yeah. So, and that's another thing I tell people. So like I'm in Indiana, but if you start to look around different like state laws, country laws, even like there are requirements of like two years before you can legally get divorced. Like they're just like, no, you have to wait two years, which I think oh, wow. is ridiculous. Like, You can go and get married in Vegas and it's legal that day. But you're telling me now I have to wait. So in Indiana, it's a minimum of 60 days. You have to file and you have a minimum of 60 days before it could even possibly be cleared. And that's if no one's contesting Anything, and I wow. had a very highly contested divorce. So I had told my ex that we were splitting in February. I had planned to file, but we got stuck in lockdown, and then I also couldn't file because of like financial reasons for him. Um, so I actually like helped him out by not filing, um, so he could afford, like he could qualify for a house. I actually didn't file; my ex did in June. So I met him in May, and we officially were filed for divorce in June, but my divorce wasn't finalized until July of 2021. I've only been legally divorced for one year.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, I'm glad it's at least finalized now at this point. So that is definitely a huge weight lifted off, but okay. But at least you were separated. So I guess, you know, it is what it is. It's funny during the pandemic, I actually met someone through a dating app who was Australian and it was like our second date. He told me that he is actually separated and his ex-wife is back in Australia. And so I was fine with it. Cause I mean, like, you know, once you get into your thirties divorce is gonna be common. Like, I'm not gonna be judgmental. Like, I I will totally date men who are divorced. I've done it. Like I've I've dated two divorce guys like nothing official happened out of it. So I'm never gonna like be judgmental about that. And also at the time I didn't want something serious because we were in a pandemic and I was a little nervous. And I knew like he had just gotten out of a marriage. Like it was a 12 year relationship, but I think like a very short marriage, like the marriage didn't last that long. So I knew what I was getting myself into. He apparently didn't finalize his divorce until a month of our fling. And our fling only lasted two months. So like somewhat of a similar experience. Um, But I was like, okay, that's interesting. But again, like at least like I know like this has an expiration date. Like otherwise I would have seen that as a red flag. But yeah,
1: I think- I think that's the big thing. Cause I know people, you know, cause cheating is always a big thing. Yeah. It's very different. And, and Dale and I had that conversation. Cause that was actually one of the first questions he asked me was like, are you going to go back to your ex? Like, I don't want to be someone if you're just going back to your ex. And I'm like, no, that that's not it. Like, trust me. That is not yeah. this. Even when you're dating someone after divorce, it is very different because they've had like this whole phase of life with someone, but I don't really think it's any different than long-term relationships. I think whenever you date someone after a very long-term relationship, there is like a readjusting a period to like, okay, this isn't what we do anymore. This isn't my normal now. I think for me, it was very different because of what my relationship was and, and everything. that that was never something I would want even remotely close to. I actually have had a ton of women that are like, I really want to start dating, but my divorce isn't going to be final for X amount of months. And I'm like, fuck it. No one needs to give you a permission slip to start dating. You both know that it's over. You both know yeah. that you're done. And like, I also say the same thing, like when people break up with people. If they break up with you, they can still go back to their ex. Like, you don't know, but you're not like, oh my gosh, you're cheating. No, you broke up. Okay. Same thing. Just it, it is a legal document and it really does take a long time because you're dealing with lawyers and court. And I think that was something that I just didn't know. And I was grossly unprepared for. I genuinely thought like I could walk into the courtroom. I could sit down with the lawyers. We would write this thing out and we would be done. But th- that's it. I, I thought that was how it would go. And it took 15 months of fighting and arguing and back and forth. And I was in and out of court. And, and you start to realize that somebody else has complete and utter control of when this is going to happen. Like the judge moved our date, just moved it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I could be thinking I'm getting divorced this day, but then they move it. I got postponed multiple times for COVID. Um, you know, whether that was like someone in the clerk's office, whether the court got shut down, whether, whatever it was. And I'm like, I am not going to sit here and tie my life to this timeline that I have zero control over. I have no control over it. Um, I have control over me and I know my own feelings. And that is something that I do tell people. Like, I recognize that I started dating very quickly, very, very, very quickly. But I had processed through so much in order to leave my relationship. Like, I had already gone through so much healing and so much self-exploration and finding myself and really establishing a strong sense of who I was that I can say I was ready to start casually dating. And then I let everything flow. I didn't push it. I didn't have a timeline. I didn't have an agenda. It just happened when it happened. Um, And so I do tell people, you're the only one that knows when you're ready. Like, that's it. And so that's why I'm very cautious when people are like, oh, but my divorce is not final. I'm like, "It, it matters of you are you ready? Yes or no? Like, that's the question. But I agree, you know, definitely if someone is currently married and, you know, there's no sense of like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to get the process started, but we're trying... It gets hairy. I totally understand that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I am looking for a serious relationship. I mean, I've deleted all my dating apps. So I have actually just stopped dating. I, I'm i really tired of it. I'm just living my life and I enjoy being single. But if I was to meet somebody out in person and I find out that they're separated, I'm not going to proceed further. And also it's like a separated person who's maybe been only separated for two months. Hell in no way they're going to get ready. To be back in a serious relationship. I don't care what he says, even if he says like, no, I'm ready I'm Like I do not fucking believe you. I don't trust <laughs> it. I don't care what you tell me. I need to be with someone who's been single. Maybe not necessarily as long as I have, I've been single for 11 years, but at least be single for at least one and a half years and be completely over your ex. I ask men three different questions. Like before I even go on a date with them, I ask them how long have you been single for what are your intentions to begin with and are you over your ex and I say just be honest it's all I ask for if you're not looking for something serious it's okay just tell me that like I'm not going to judge you there's nothing wrong with casual relationships I'm not going to judge you for it just know that we're not going to be a match and there's nothing wrong with that I just want you to be honest and men men have surprisingly been like cool with me asking that they actually really like it. They think it's attractive because it shows me that like, I'm a woman who knows what she wants and I'm not here to like mess around and I'm not here to waste people's time.
1: Oh yeah. And I think there's so much around like dating that things have to turn into games and like, that's Dale's and I, number one thing, like it was never a game. There, there were no games to be had or to be played. It was, here's where we are. We can readjust as we go, as we see fit. And that's it. And and it Absolutely. does come down to open and honest communication. Absolutely. So yeah, having those questions and knowing what you want. Um, I think in terms of like divorce, life is just very different than if you've never been married because you're in constant flux because your life is always fluxing a little bit. And you, especially if you have kids, there's always going to be this interaction. So you have to have a sense of self and an understanding that, life is going to look different and that's okay. Life can look different, but that open and honest communication is key so that you and your partner can continue to navigate what life looks like.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know we're coming on time here. So I have one more question for you. So what would you say is the biggest piece of advice you could give to a newly divorced person and
1: navigating single life again? Ooh. Okay. So Honestly, I think like what we kind of talked about at the beginning is my number one piece of advice is you really don't want to focus on if they like you. Because that's what you're stuck on. Like when you're getting, you know, it's like, "Oh, if he would have if I would have just done this, maybe my marriage would have lasted. If I would have looked like this, maybe my marriage. If I would have And it, and it becomes a very much a guilt trip. Um, society pushes that. But when you stop focusing on like what should I have done? Or what can I do for him to make him like me? Yeah, and like, absolutely not. I like me. Sure. Are there areas I'm working on? Fine. I can own those. I'm working on this. Okay, great. I already know about it. I don't need you to point it out. And you start to focus on what do you want in your life? What are you looking for? All the way down to are you looking for something casual? Are you looking for just intimacy? Are you looking for maybe one day getting back into something serious? Are you ever even wanting to get married again? You know, there's so many questions that you need to like start asking yourself. That is where you definitely start. You start by getting clear on where you are right now. But I always tell people the biggest and most important thing is to stay open because right now when you're just getting out of it, everything is overwhelming and scary. And there is a lot that you have open to you. And you're used to having this mindset because you were married that like, it is what, this is what I do when I follow this line and it never changes because right when you're married, you're with them till death do you part. It never changes. And that is what I always reiterate to women is like, you are allowed to change. You can be right now saying that what I need in this moment is casual dating. And I just want someone to go out to dinner with and just someone to talk to every now and then while I don't have my kid. And that's fine. And in six months, you can say, wow, I actually do think, It is a big part of my life that I want to have this goal, or it is important to me to have a partner, a serious relationship. And you are allowed to make that change. And you are allowed to keep changing and keep evolving as you go. And it is not problematic. It is not wrong. It just comes down to you have to stay open to yourself of like, what do I need in this moment? What is serving me in this moment? And you have to stay open to what the universe has in store for you and what is the possibilities, because if you close yourself off, that's where life gets very, very different. So I always tell everyone stay open because life is going to change, but it will be beautiful as it does. Fuck.
0: Yeah. I love that response. Stay open because you never know what the universe throws at you. Yeah. That's exactly kind of how I live my life. And I honestly could not agree more. Um, Holly. So this has been such a really great conversation and I wanted to know where can people find you if they wanted to follow you on any social media platform?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, you can, I spend most of my time on Instagram. My stories are always happening there's always something going on up there um and i am constantly posting reels and you know we do q a's and i do lives and all of that stuff so i'm very very engaged with my followers so you can find me on ig at the underscore unapologetic mama that's me on instagram um i'm also on tiktok and i'll be back on tiktok probably more um but my tiktok i warn people that is definitely like the raunchier side because it's like allowed if you want more of the like still raunchy, but a little not so maybe curt, then you want to stick to IG. If you're like, no, I want to hear it all. You want to head to TikTok. And it's the same. So I'm over there on TikTok as well. Okay, perfect. And guys, I will have all of her social media handles
0: in the podcast description. So you can go ahead and check her out. And guys, if you ever have a story that you want to share with me, feel free to email the podcast at shamelessly unapologetic podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelessly unapologetic. And with that, I will see you on a brand new episode next week. And Holly, thank you so much once again for being here. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. Absolutely. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.